0: Thank you for joining us for this Monday edition of the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's time for the weekend recap. Uh, good weekend for MMA. Good bounce back weekend for MMA after what was probably, I'm just going to go out and say it, last weekend might have been one of the worst weekends of MMA that I've watched
1: uh, in my time as a fan. Bit like uh, a bit lackluster. Yeah, even though there
0: was multiple cards uh, for both to be, Pretty bad. And, you know, for this card on paper to be lackluster, but it completely delivered, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, I think that's a good bounce back for the UFC. However, the weekend did not belong to the UFC, or to MMA for that matter. belonged to the good, good, good sport of boxing. Everybody's favorite. Our, our, everybody's favorite sport, right, Dom?
1: Yes, of course.
0: <laughs> um, we had a huge... Huge heavyweight bout that went down Saturday night uh, between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. And while we're an MMA podcast, we don't really get into the boxing too much unless he got the crossover uh, for MMA stars. I thought I would just give my thoughts on the fight real quick just because um, I happened to watch it. And since it is such a big fight, I felt like it was kind of worth talking about. Um, it was a fantastic fight. I'm not going to really add anything new to the discussion. Ultimately, I am a casual boxing fan, so can't really offer much that anybody else is going to tell you. But it was an awesome fight, one of the best fights uh, probably I've ever seen. Um, I'm sure there's better ones, but it, it was fantastic. Uh, both guys just showed a lot of heart. Considering this was a heavyweight trilogy with the kind of stakes to add. had, um, I think it completely delivered, and it was really the only way this trilogy could end. I've seen all three of these uh, bouts in their trilogy, and you know the first fight was back and forth. That's when Wilder was champion, Fury the challenger. Uh, you had that great moment, and I want to say the tenth or eleventh round when Wilder drops Tyson Fury, and it looks like Fury's just out. And then, like the Undertaker, he rises mm-hmm. from the dead. And then continues the then kind of puts the puts it on Wilder for the rest of the fight uh, ends in a draw because boxing <laughs> right um, so then you have the rematch again Wilder champion Fury challenger and Tyson Fury runs through Deontay Wilder like a knife through butter and it was a, just a magnificent performance it was kind of it kind of completed. Tyson Fury's arc of a uh, you know the comeback you know the guy that was at the at the brink and he was able to come back and uh, realize his uh, title aspirations once again and then on on this third fight we weren't even supposed to get this Dominic I don't know how much you know about this but this was supposed to be Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua yeah but there was some sort of loophole or whatever you want to call it in the contract of the The second Wilder-Fury fight that allowed, and I believe, an arbitrator or someone ruled in favor of Wilder to give him, grant him this trilogy bout that a lot of people weren't really wanting because the second fight was so Mm one-sided. So Joshua ends up fighting uh, Alexander Usyk Usyk, and loses. Yeah, (laughs) convincingly. Yeah, and then you get this fight that ends up being a, an absolutely amazing fight. Who knows what, what kind of fight Fury and Joshua would have been, but considering all those elements that nobody really gave Wilder a chance, I thought he completely overperformed. He, he, I mean, it was kind of the fight you thought it would be in the sense that Fury was just a far better boxer, but Wilder just showed a lot of heart, showed yeah. a good chin, I would say. And, You know, just continued to carry his power, even if he was increasingly gassed. Essentially, after getting dropped in round three or four, uh, he got, I think it was round three, he got dropped twice. Round four, he dropped Fury twice, I believe. Basically, from that round on, you know, Marder was kind of on wobbly legs the whole time, but he still carried that power. So it was like, things looked dire for him at points, and then he would land a great shot wobble fury so this is what at the end of the day as as frustrated as i've been with the sport of boxing and why it's kind of why i've become so committed to mma and have essentially not ever really gotten as invested in boxing fights like this are hard to match i mean i I, there's not many mma fights that match the kind of the energy the the kind of story that was told in in the in the I'm just at the cage in the ring here. And, um, yeah, it's hard to beat high-level boxing. When, it, when it's good, it's really good. Yeah. And, um, Dominic, how was your Saturday night? Because uh, um, should, we, should we put it out there that uh, you did not watch this fight?
1: Yeah, I, I was not able to watch this, so Noah, thank you for the synopsis, the summary, I do appreciate it. I tried to follow along as much as I could on Twitter, everybody was talking about it, I mean, this thing was a, a global phenomenon last night, uh, but I was celebrating some spooky season stuff, we were at a haunted attraction theme park until like one thirty am so I was unable to watch the fight, and instead I was walking through a pitch black maze, getting scared shitless, and getting chased by clowns and Michael Myers and all that fun stuff. So that was my Saturday night.
0: I know how much you love spooky season, but man, you really chose a haunted house over one of the biggest heavyweight boxing fights in history. Respect though, because we're MMA guys, so we gotta stay loyal. That's right. <laughs> how was the haunted house though?
1: It was good. It was good. Uh for those that don't know, Land of Illusion, uh one of the biggest Really, it's one of the biggest ones in the nation. It's really grown. It's their 25th anniversary this year, so uh, it was a lot of fun. Had a big group of 10 people there. Uh, traveled a bit to go go do that, and it was, a, it was a fun time, man. We've been going there for years. We've kind of known the owner over the years, my uncle and stuff, so it was fun to go back there. I hadn't been there in a few years, and it changes so much each season or each Halloween, uh, so it was a good time.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever been. Um, I'm not uh... – I don't do that kind of, I don't do the spooky season yeah. stuff. I've done a couple haunted hayrides in my day, but, uh, I think that I probably shit myself on a couple of those. So the,
1: the movies are enough for you, right? That, that's <laughs> yeah. <weird. laughs> well, I don't even watch horror movies that much? I'm just not a
0: spooky. Se- I don't like being spooked. All right. I'm just, right. Right. Leave me alone. people, all Right. Let know. I, I watched the damn boxing fight. Okay. Yes. Regardless. Uh, let's get right into the fight announcements. Cause, uh, we got a lot to go over here in this episode. It's a good one, not quite as packed as Friday, but quick turnaround. How could you expect it to be?
1: It'd be like that sometimes.
0: We start with this Saturday's main event. I mean, very interesting here. Boy, okay, look. <laughs> I know I just—I know what I just said about last Saturday. How it was a card on paper. That yes, it was a good main event, like on paper, but the rest of the fights kind of was like, oof. And then they over-delivered, and everybody performed really good, and now we're going to have a lot to talk about here. So I realized that, like, that almost leads to, like, in the lead-up to the fight, if I'm not so on board with it, if I'm kind of criticizing the lack of, I guess, real powerful fights or fights that really, you know, get us excited.
1: You want something on the
0: line. But then it delivers... Like I get how that could come off like we're, um, I don't know what the word is. Like it, it would almost like come off like a I "I told you so" from someone who maybe was a defender of this event. Yes. I disagree on that kind of mindset. I do think ultimately, you want these cards to have more at stake. Like you just said, like something, yeah. you know. Not I get it. these are fight nights on ESPN Plus. They don't. These aren't pay per views that have top to bottom, you know, top course. fifteen matchups and stuff. But. I mean, you compare the quality of fight nights that we're getting this month to what we got at the, the beginning of the pandemic, pretty big drop off. You know? Yeah. And so I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Holly Holm is out of her scheduled main event with Norma Dumont. Again, this is a fight that – is anybody really excited for this fight as a main event? This is a five-round women's featherweight fight. Yes, Holly Holm, big star, former um, women's band weight champion – But, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of, I think there's a bit of fatigue with Holly Holm at this point. And, you know, she always puts up a good fight. So, like, she's worthy of a main event slot. But her opponent, Norma Dumont, has, while I've been a fan of what the work she's done, I don't know if she's really ready for that kind of spot, especially because it's women's featherweight, which (laughs) is not a division. So Holly Holm's out. Yeah. So really your, your reason, I guess, to tune in and some even though I probably have more interest in Norman Dumont on that, on that fight, but mm-hmm. she, this, this fight is not scrapped. However, the main event has been saved as someone's looking for a bit of redemption here. Aspen lad, the, 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 the appor uh she was supposed to fight last two weekends ago. Now, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, had a really tough weight cut. Couldn't make the way, um, you know, whether it was because she was on a period or whatever, you know, I don't know. She's stepping in here, Dominic, to to be in the headliner against Norman Dumont. Again, five-round women's featherweight bout. There was a lot of speculation on what Aspen Ladd might do following that tough cut because, again, that was a bantamweight fight she was preparing for. So, Dominic, I guess the question here, is this a good idea? And ultimately for Aspen Lad. Is this a permanent move for her?
1: Well, I mean, it's good they salvaged the fight, I guess, right? And there's no other fight you can make the main event, I suppose. Uh, But again, it's at featherweight, which isn't a division. So we don't even really know if there's anything on the line in this fight. I mean, I guess you could argue there's a title shot on the line, but it's just weird. Uh, But for Aspen, okay, because we had a big discussion about her and Misha Tate on Friday. Is this a permanent move? No, I don't think it is. I think it's her wanting to salvage her name a little bit, get some redemption from that weight miss, uh, and at least test the waters at 145 and see how she performs. Norma's very big, but has also wanted to come down to weight. So it's an interesting tandem here in terms of matchmaking. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Aspen, I think, is going to want to come out and at least try to make a statement. Uh, and for Norma, this would still be really the biggest win of her career, it's just at the end of the day, what is exactly at stake with this fight? It's just so up in the air. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's permanent still. I still think we're going to see Aspen at Bantamweight.
0: You might be right, and, and I'd probably be inclined to agree with you because, again, I'm, I think this division's sort of being just carried along because that Amanda Nunez looks yeah. good for her to have two belts, I guess. But uh, I'm going to be honest. I think Aspen Land if she wins here, I think she might get a title fight.
1: Well, yeah, that's probably true.
0: (laughs) So, this could end up being a more long term move for her than she maybe even she's planning for. Especially if you consider this concept of her beating Amanda Nunes. Yeah. Then, then what do you do? You know, is that (laughs) is that when the division officially gets shut down? It's like, all right, I became a champion, I beat the goat, but now I'm going to move down to bantamweight where she's still the champion and. I don't know, guys. This the the more I'm talking about this, the more we're talking about this, the more confused I think we're getting, <laughs>
1: yeah, right?
0: And um, let me just say that, like, it's kind of weird where Holly Holm is the biggest draw of the three women involved in this story. Yeah, but somehow, despite I will say, is slightly better. Like, at least it feels like either woman can win. And potentially jump into a title
1: fight for sure. Yeah.
0: While with Holly Holm, what inevitably probably would happen because Holly Holm has essentially been doing this for years at Bantamweight, is she would probably win against Norma Dumont, and then that division would just have no direction at all
1: unless they wanted to run her and Amanda again which and give Holly means, another title shot. Yeah, which
0: I mean, <laughs> is that really? Does anybody need to see that? No. At least, if Norman Dumont comes in here and puts on a great show, or Basbin Lad, you know, has a good comeback after, you know, pretty much everybody shit on her for yeah. that that weight cut, um, it could be a good redemption for her, and then she could get a title fight. Um, it's just weird how it kind of worked out, where the fight does it. It feels even less like a main event, but it, it, the fight I think at least has a little bit more intrigue than yeah. when Holly Holm was involved, at least for me.
1: I think I would tend to agree, especially because I guess I am still pretty big on Ladd, and you know, I believe in her Mm -hmm. skills and talent at least. So, in that aspect, I do agree for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, and I'm actually, before we move on, I don't know how much Aspen Ladd walks around at her weight, Mm -hmm. but is this still like, I mean, this is, is this still a dangerous cut for her to try to make considering I get it 10 pounds heavier, but certain she's coming off of such a tough weight. Exactly. Vest. Like we saw, for example, the first example that jumps out to me is, remember the canceled UFC 249 bout when Tony Ferguson
1: yeah.
0: weighed, even though the fight had been canceled, he still on the day of, Chased weighed in at make... 155 pounds, yeah. and then a month later had to recut to that weight, and a lot of fighters that were involved in kind of talking about it on the broadcast or wherever – we're speaking of how that could really be a reason that his performance was so, you know, left something to be desired because right. he just made two weight cuts in a short amount of time. Yeah. So for Aspen Lad, I don't know how much she walks around at, but if it was that tough to get the Bantam weight, are we for sure that she's even going to be able to make this cut?
1: Could you actually imagine if she were to go in and miss this weight? Dude. She might be immediately cut from the promotion. But Dude, I'm that's... not going to – I don't want to get too negative. But <laughs> that's still something people need to fathom here is, yes, it's 10 pounds more, but she's cutting weight two times in two weeks. She's going to still have to cut down weight to get to 145. I don't know how much, yeah. but it's going to have to happen. So, uh yeah, that's something to keep in mind. And yeah. we're, we're probably going to talk about it again on Friday. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely something to consider for sure. Uh Moving on from that. Another tough one here. Alexa Grasso out
1: mm.
0: of her scheduled bout with Joanne Calderwood on November 20th. However, Grasso does have a replacement. Cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the recently uh performed, recently performing, I guess, Taylor Santos. Who yeah, had that great win over Roxanne Modafferi at UFC 266. She steps in here against Joanne Calderwood, a chance to possibly propel herself into the top five, and ultimately she might be one away. I mean, she, this, is, this is great, in my opinion. I mean, I know it's tough. Like Alexa Grosso, hope she's okay. Hope yeah. she, you know, whatever. I can't remember. I don't know if they said if it was like COVID-related or whatnot. I don't
1: know. But hope
0: she recovers from whatever injury or whatever held her from fighting here. But Joanne Calderwood has been a, kind of a constant in this top of the division, but hasn't. You know, she's the one... Person probably in that top six or seven and hasn't got a chance at Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, Um, so but she's she's kind of been in a gatekeeper role for a while. But you know she doesn't want that. She wants to show that, show that she's ready for a title fight. Well, here you go. You get probably the biggest, the person with the most momentum in the division outside of maybe the champion herself. Mm -hmm. And you know it's a tough task for Joanne Calderwood. If we're being honest, you know someone who's um struggled against some some grapplers who've been stronger than her and Taylor Santos fits the bill. But for Taylor Santos, while Roxanne Monteferi is a good win and you know, it feels like Roxy is just someone that like is always always performs better than you expect her to. Um, I would still stand by that this is a big jump up going from Roxanne Monteferi to Joanne Carterwood, even if rankings wise, it's not exactly like the hugest jump in
1: the world. Yeah, uh, I loved the Grasso and Joanne matchup just because they're two very good strikers. Um, so it's unfortunate again. Shout out to Alex Grasso. Hope all is well. But for this, with Santos stepping in, I'm a big believer in Santos. I can't remember if we did we recap her and Roxanne at all when they fought. I don't um, we may I feel like we did. Or if we didn't on recording, we did off. But I'm just, I, I believe that Santos at least has potential to get to a title-challenging position. I think she carries a lot of power on the feet, and her grappling and jiu-jitsu is very good. So in a sense, this is a harder matchup for JoJo. But if she can keep it on the feet, she might be able to utilize the reach and kind of pick her shots too. So uh, while it sucks Grasso's out, this is still a pretty good fight. And as Noah said, Santos carrying tons of momentum right now. So uh, I like it.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm glad, you know, for Santos, considering she has that momentum, it's probably good that she's looking to have a quick turnaround. You know, she didn't take probably much to any damage against Model Fairy. So why not look to capitalize on what you've kind of built up so far? Yeah. Tough test, but one that's necessary to show that she can potentially fight Shevchenko.
1: Yeah. And literally a stamp made by either might get him a title shot at this point. So we'll see.
0: I mean, you know, and and that's okay. Because yeah,
1: that's fine to me.
0: If either one of them make a stamp, I would I would probably say they should get a title fight, like in my
1: opinion, when everyone ahead of them has already had it. Yeah, I know.
0: You know, I mean, you, as long as you put up a better showing than Lauren Murphy did, no disrespect, Lauren. I don't mean to bring it back up, you know, like, hey, by all means, go in there, and title, right? You know? <laughs> Last one our first main event of 2022 is set, and it features a man who we have not seen since the first main event of 2021. Yeah, and That's the number five ranked Calvin Cater, who looked to make a big bounce back in his return. It's not going to be easy. He uh-huh. took a beating from Max Holloway, who pro- made the prolific statement in the caves that he is the best boxer in the UFC after you know so much have been made up about Calvin Cater's boxing and whatnot. So Cater looks to bounce back. But he's going up against another prolific striker this time, Giga Chikadze. That's right to the commenter on our Giga video that that, that called me out for saying Giga, Giga Chikadze. There you and, go. And uh, Dominic, you know I, I love this fight. For one, I do. Oh and yeah. I think this is a. I'm, was I the one that called it? I don't know. You you tell me. Peter. But <laughs> Giga Chikadze, this is the fight that I wanted for him next. Yeah. Um however if you're Calvin Cater, if you're a fan of Calvin Cater, Dominic, are you a little nervous about this fight?
1: You probably gotta be at least a little bit because if you look at how he performed against Max, now you're getting a striker in Giga who maybe not be may not be as good of a boxer. But in terms of all-around striking with his kicks and all of his other weapons, he may just be just as damn good as Max on the feet. So uh, this is another intriguing matchup. This is violence guaranteed in the first main event of the year, just like 2021 was. (laughs) So it makes sense for both guys, Calvin, to take step back, quote-unquote. Not that Giga is any slouch. What's he want? Seven in a row now. And Giga finally going to launch himself in for a chance to get top five. It's everything that he wants uh, so it makes sense. It checks all the boxes. Fight fans, be ready. January's getting kicked off in a very, very fun way.
0: Man, you put the violence guaranteed on that one. I don't know if I can say that. I Ooh. I think, uh, some. you know, let's be honest. Higa Chikadze on a great run and has really improved over the last couple of years. But not too long ago, this guy lost on the contender series and was in some pretty boring split decisions and whatnot. So right. I'm just saying – I like him. I think he's well improved and has really, you know, become much more confident in his skill set. But I ain't ready to put this. Could end up being a very boring fight. I, I think. I think All there's right. a big risk for that. Um, that's gonna wrap it up for these here fight announcements. Let's get into uh, some Patty Pimble. Ah,
1: oh, you don't say.
0: Tell me that this is, this might be the worst headline I've ever came up with. But, but we're uh, rolling with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patty Pimblet. He has signed a seven figure deal Ooh. with none other than Barstool sports to perform the role of brand ambassador and content creator. Now, Dominic, I don't know how much you consume content wise from Barstool sports, but I can say that I, I watch quite a bit of Barstool oh, yeah. and, um, What's been very apparent uh, for for me as a viewer for a while is that um, they are still, you know, they've they've yet to really commit to combat sports or MMA in terms of, you know, hiring people for the purpose of covering that sport. Mm -hmm. Robbie Fox is great. You like Robbie a lot. Data loves that guy, so, you know, they have a good relationship there. But he's the only one.
1: Right. Under that
0: umbrella. And I mean, you look at how many people work for that company and, you know, they're very into the sports betting and Mm -hmm. even have the Barstool sports book now. But um, this is a good move, I think, in kind of, I guess, bringing in uh, more MMA content. But Dominic, I'm going to ask you as probably the the person who might know a little less about Barstool. But uh, do you like Patty as a representative of the sport? considering what I just told you about Barstool Sports.
1: Oh, yeah, I love this. Barstool is that different take on sports, the more fun, lighthearted side where they really just give in, don't give a shit what they're saying. It's a different side of journalism and media, and that's why I think a lot of people love them so much. I got a Barstool shirt on right now. I think Patty's a perfect fit as a representative for them uh, and just the way his charisma and uh, everything. Dave Portnoy posted a video about why he wanted to sign Patty. He saw him make his debut in September. Loved him in the cage with the knockout after facing adversity. Loved him on the microphone. I feel like he just really fits with this brand. It was surprising because you don't see things like this with MMA fighters. I mean, obviously you see them do sponsorships and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but this is a brand ambassador to create content with Barstool, which is a different level of kind of Uh, how these deals work. So I think this is very unique. I'm excited to see what content they come out with. And I think Patty and Robbie Fox put together are going to make some pretty cool things as well. So this is really neat. It's something that may be just the start or the tip of the iceberg for Barstool as well with MMA.
0: I hope so. And, you know, I'm just going to put it out there that we would love to, to be Barstool's podcast, but it would, um, I didn't even you're wearing a Barstool shirt. Oh yeah, baby! Do you watch Barstool? Did I not know this?
1: Oh, I love Barstool. Oh,
0: well,
1: Maybe so I don't even have a Barstool. This is their MMA Twitter account? And I don't. I
0: don't even have a. I don't even have a Barstool shirt. So, uh, correction: Dominic is the Barstool guy here. But uh, you know, I, I I do like this move. I know I've been a little outspoken about my, <laughs> you my, have. About my Patty Pimblett critiques, and it's it's not even a critique of him because I do love the personality, I love his fight style. Yeah, I just don't know if the ceiling is really where other people want it to be. This move doesn't really affect that. I mean, ultimately, it kind of just sets him up more to like, even if his run here is ultimately, you know, maybe he does kind of get phased out. Maybe he does kind of go on a five hundred run he's still got the personality chops and the knowledge of the sport and the understanding of the sport, at least I would assume to be able to you know, create content for something like Barstool sports. And um, you're right, him and uh, Robbie Fox together would be quite the tandem. Um, as much as I love Robbie, I I'm ready to see some more voices in Barstool speaking about MMA. Um, Cause you know, Robbie doesn't just do that either. I mean, he does, WWE. Yeah. Um, he, well, I guess even AEW now, some professional wrestling. Yeah. He does a lot of other stuff too, like music, more nerdy yeah. music. you know, he has that podcast, my mom's basement. Where yep. He basically just talks about everything he loves, you know, a lot exactly. of nerdy stuff in there too. So, and that's good for him for sure. But because of that, there's, you know, there's still not really much of a focus on MMA. Right. At Barstool sports. And, you know, this is a good step in that direction. I'm still just gonna say, like, Marcel. Hey, Barstool. get on the train before anybody else does.
1: We're, we're, we can we can uh, nudge out the contract details, baby.
0: <laughs> Let's move on to uh, the UFC card from Saturday. We're actually gonna start
1: with um... some big kahunas. <laughs>
0: yeah, look, the ball's on this guy. This might be the second worst headline I've ever made. Still rolling with it though. Exactly. Uh, So this is going to be actually before the the fights even started. Um, We had quite the, I guess, weigh-in day where essentially one of the fights I was most excited for on this undercard was Phil Halls and Deron Wynn. It's Deron, not Darren. Apparently he hates it when you call him Darren, so sorry. That's all we do is butcher names on this show. (laughs) 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 I actually, real quick, I've gone back and listened to a few of our older episodes Oh no! and hearing me butcher a name and Dominic go, Oh my God, 10 out of 10 pronunciation (laughs) makes me cringe so much. It made me like at the time, like it felt like a parent like hanging up on the, like if you're a kid and you came back from school and you got like a C on your exam (laughs) and your, and your parents still like hung it up on the fridge that's how I felt. It's like a little bit of second secondhand. It's like a little bit of embarrassment. I'm, I'm
1: giving like, no the A for effort. Type it's thing. like, okay,
0: oh, my God, please stop. Yeah. But, like, literally, like, me trying to say different names and Dominic's like, oh, my God, the pronunciation is just 10 out of 10. Yeah. I'm just like, I know it's not. Like, stop. Durant it's went. fine.
1: Everything's fine.
0: Regardless. Geron Wynn, unfortunately, had to be pulled from this bout against Phil Halls, and really chaos kind of ensued from there because they found a replacement to weigh in and fight Phil Halls on like basically 24 hours notice, that being Chris Curtis of a former contender series alum who um, Dominic has really let me in on being one of the better unsigned talents out there. Yeah, um, So still a big fight, but again, you know, just a lot going on there. Phil Halls doesn't come to an agreement to fight Chris Curtis. So then you got the replacement fighter, Curtis, who's weighed in. yeah. But now he doesn't have a fight. So then the, the coach of Tim Elliott, who was there to corner him, that being um, James Krause, says I'll weigh in and fight it's him savage. tomorrow. And in a savage move, I believe he weighed in at 192 pounds. So it was like seven over the uh, middleweight yeah. limit. And ultimately, I think the... The um, Nevada State Athletic Commission kind of was
1: like, Yeah, nah, we can't do this. <laughs> do
0: but still, the ball's on this guy, right? Exactly. James and this isn't even the first, you know, this is probably the most, I guess, intimate example, but James Krause has basically made a career doing this. If you look oh. at his career, he has a great record in UFC. I believe him 9-4. and four. Yeah, he's but incredible. But he constantly player. only takes late notice, short notice bouts. Uh, maybe, you know, possibly just because of the focus on his fighters and being that he maybe emphasizes being a coach a little more. But, um, Dominic, what are kind of your thoughts on the whole situation? I feel like you're get, there's going to be that toxic side of the MMA fan base that comes after my boy Phil Halls here. And yeah. It shouldn't happen. But what are your thoughts on the situation?
1: No, we're not accepting any slander on Phil Halls. Again, mm-hmm. he was pre- – not only was he offered to fight on like less than 30 hours' notice against one of the top unsigned talents in MMA right now and Chris Curtis, but he was preparing a whole training camp for a guy that is grapple heavy and all was, he was going to try and do is grind out Phil Halls. It's a 5 completely- 5
0: middleweight.
1: <laughs> yes, a 5 5 middleweight. And now you're going to get a powerhouse in Chris Curtis who fights nothing like Duran Wynn does. No, I don't blame him at all for turning this fight away. And especially when you're 3 0 in the UFC. Yes, he had that one dud with Emoval, but other than that, he's looked great. He's a contender series vet, a lot of hype behind him. He's fun to watch, and he's on the cusp of top 15 with one more win, more than likely. So uh, no slander will be accepted on Phil Hall's part. Chris Curtis, uh, excited because it more than likely means that he's in the UFC now, at least. So we're going to see him get a fight, at least we hope. James Krause, you're a badass, and that can't be said enough. All he does is he's that anytime, anywhere mentality. That's mm-hmm. the James Krause. Um, and not to mention, he's one of the best coaches in the game. So uh, just a great human being, uh, a great fighter, a great coach. And uh, man, if this fight would have happened, that would have been pretty nuts. But maybe they'll do Chris Curtis and James Krause.
0: Possibly, but it seems seriously, James Krause like only accepts like <laughs> Right. Straight. He's like, training camp? <laughs> Fuck that. Huh? So now let's get into the actual main event okay, of okay. this UFC card and I thought it was a really good fight, if I'm being honest. Fight of the night, too. Yeah, I actually agree with that in terms of the main card. I don't know if I'd give it, I think, our opener, which we'll get into Steve Garcia and Charlie Antavero. That was was a great fight. But in terms of the main card, i probably agree with that. It was probably the fight of the night. I actually had someone ask me this question. Why do I make that distinction between main card and prelims? I'm just going to answer it now. It makes more sense for (laughs) pay-per-views. Yeah. Because to me, I pick a fight of the night based on what I'm paying my money for. Pay-per-views like you get the prelims on ESPN Plus or ESPN pay-per-view vM what you spend that 70 bucks on. Right. Which of those five or six fights is what you like the most. And since I've done that for so long, I just apply it to all the fight nights as well and yeah. any other MMA I watch just because I don't know. It's hard to Especially when I went through and was watching every bout from UFC one on.
1: Yeah.
0: It's hard to include all the prelims of those bouts or events in my uh watch history as well. Yeah, you
1: gotta split it up so.
0: Yeah, you do. so anyways, back to the fight itself. Marina Rodriguez or Marina is maybe I should say. She gets the win over Mackenzie Dern via unanimous decision. An underdog win here. Now, Dominic, I am just going to pose you this question right at the top. Were you more impressed with Marina's win or disappointed in McKenzie's loss in terms of their performances? Let me know.
1: Okay, so this is a bit of a slippery slope for me. So I'm going to go, I'm going to tread lightly, but I'm leaning more toward Marina's performance because she looked incredible on the feet, obviously. And we knew that from the get go. She's a world class Muay Thai practitioner but it's not that it was the ability to keep McKenzie from securing the takedowns. Now I will say when she did get taken down, round two, I scored a 10, eight for McKenzie. That was pure dominance for McKenzie. She just wasn't able to lock in the finish. So Marina mm-hmm. looked like we've seen Marina in the past in that second round, but round three, she was able to withstand, keep it all on the feet round four. She was able to keep it all on the feet until the final minute, which wasn't enough to secure that round for McKenzie. Uh, so therefore, leading to that four-one kind of scorecard deal. So I was definitely more impressed with Marina, kind of showing her improvements uh, or her continued improvements uh, in the game. There definitely is some disappointment in McKenzie, but it doesn't outweigh my Marina's performance necessarily. Um, I was going to keep going on the fight, but I actually want to hear from you first before we get more into it.
0: Okay, um, I'm going to go the other way. I'm just yeah. more disappointed and McKenzie's performance and while marina had a great showing here you want to hear an interesting little thing to consider here you know this is marina's second five-round fight yep. you know she has that weird record of now it's what five one and two yep she has the two draws if this was a three-round bout it would have been a draw
1: yes it probably. would have. at least i think it would have
0: been according to the judges scorecards a lot of people scored that second round of 10-8 yeah. For McKenzie. I can't remember out the judges uh, they actually
1: real quick while we're on it, they actually all scored at 4946. So not one judge scored a 10-8, which shocked okay. me.
0: Never mind. Didn't Marina but, I, have, uh... but
1: I get what you're saying, because I yeah. scored at 10-8. So it could have been
0: funny if Marina yeah. got a third draw <laughs> yeah. in the UFC. But that 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 those first three rounds tells the story yeah. of Marina's early run in the UFC to look really good, you know, in those Two of those three rounds, and then to just get dominated so one-sidedly yes. when the fight gets to the ground that she ultimately ends up it ends up making up for the fact that she had won two rounds because it's right. an eight. So, but again, five round fight, Marina wins. She had a good performance, and I, I will say this fight, I, the headline here being a throwback fight. I what I what I liked most about this fight was that it felt. Like a fight I would have seen back in like 2007, which I know I wasn't watching live at the time, but and I guess the irony being that women weren't even fighting in the UFC at that time. Yeah, but these were two women that were so specialized in a certain aspect of their mm-hmm. game. Marina's Muay Thai is really good. Mackenzie's jiu jitsu incredible was nearly pulling off arm bars with her legs yeah here in crazy. the in the in the fight, just which I know doesn't make sense when I word it like that. If you watch the fight, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, just yeah. Some crazy looking arm bars. But um so it felt like a throwback fight. And you know what as great as MMA is now and everybody's so good at everything. But it's kind of nice when you get a fight where it's like, oh you see the holes yeah. in everybody's game. You see the clear routes to victory, you know. And here, Marina, while it was a great performance and a great win, a win that might springboard her into a title eliminator or a title shot, I'm more disappointed in McKenzie because I feel like after that round two where you know she had that great round, really looked like things were turning in her favor, she could never replicate it. And I sent you this stat, and I'm going to give credit to Luke Thomas for pointing this out on his show, Morning Combat, I did not know Mackenzie Dern only has 10% accuracy on her takedowns in her career. That was before this fight with Marina. So I don't know what it's going to be even less than that now. She wasn't credited with a single takedown here. Her, her success in getting the fight to the ground was off of kind of wild sprawls that would kind of catch Marina off balance and just being smart enough to kind of hold her once they would be kind of, Flailing around on the ground a little bit to kind of hold her down and be like, nope, we're staying here. But when she tried to actually go for takedowns,
1: nothing. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Not only, and it's, I don't even know if I can really credit Marina's takedown defense. I just think those takedown attempts were brutal. I mean, send Mackenzie Durden to Hendrickston right now with Kevin Kevin Holland. (laughs) She needs to learn to wrestle because if she could just. Even, if I think, against Nina Nunes, she showed some great trips. Yes. That's a way to do that as well. But here, I don't know. if I think she was struggling to close the distance a little bit. She was. Um, We might have gave McKenzie striking too much credit in terms of, you know, she hasn't been fighting strikers. So, like, when she looked good on the feet against Virna Janadova, another jiu-jitsu specialist. Yeah. Like, you see here the levels, though. Oh, yeah, you did. It's one thing – for for Marina to have the advantage on the feet and to be the more accomplished striker, which we knew both of those, but McKenzie got outclassed. On the yes. Feet and couldn't even so much as, you know, smartly close the distance and try to wrap up Marina. Cause McKenzie is the bigger girl in the cage here. You know, she's, she looked like she was probably the stronger fighter mm-hmm. and just nothing, you know, it was, it was when she had those moments, and again, I think it even happened in the fourth round where McKenzie was able to get the fight on the ground within the yeah, last, last 20 minute. seconds. Yeah. Um, not enough to win the round, obviously, but um it does leave a bit of a disappointment considering she was the favorite coming in here. And you know, again, I I I, I was so tempted to go with Marina after hearing that 10 takedown defense. But if there's anybody who McKenzie should be able to take down. It's someone like Marina Rodriguez, who's had very suspect takedown defense. And right. she just couldn't, she couldn't do it, man. And I just, this, this fight is going to be interesting to look back on when we see where their two careers go, because obviously Marina's got some big fights ahead, potentially. And McKenzie does as well, but man, I mean, that's a, that is a tough loss, tough pill to swallow. And, for her, she does kind of carry that weight for being such a big prospect, I guess, in the, in the UFC and someone the UFC have really wanted to to build up. Um, she's probably not going to get an easy next draw either. She might get someone who's also a prolific striker. So definitely, that wrestling's got to be fixed yesterday, I, at least to the point where you can tr- do trips. or and I, I mean, she showed good trips. I don't. She just she couldn't can, set them up. That's yeah. She could could not close that. She could not close it, and so whether it's continuously improving that striking to where you can find smart ways to get in close, so
1: you feel more safe to get closer, you know. Because even though
0: Marina might be the best striker in the division, she might be. She really here kind of didn't show all that she's capable of if I'm being honest. Like,
1: and that was probably cuz she was so hesitant of the uh yeah. you know the the, the Oh, ground. 100%. And I I think it was a smart performance, but Yeah. McKinsey
0: looked in some ways bad at times just dis- despite Marina kind of holding back. Yeah. So well, she
1: was, well, she would spin around and like yeah. not have the wherewithal to know where Marina was. Had Marina yeah. wanted to pull the trigger more, we could have seen a knockout. Yeah, it could have been, been that, pretty bad. Yeah.
0: But um yeah, I mean that was a long winded answer there, but it was a good fight, but it was kind of in spite of the what we saw from McKenzie during here and stuff. Right. So, uh Dominic, I don't know if you want to talk more about McKenzie. I know I believe we both run we both picked McKenzie to win, right? Exactly. Yep. So what what were kind of your thoughts, I guess, on her performance more so I
1: mean Definitely, like there was the disappointment, obviously. Uh, I've been a big Mackenzie Dern fan since she came into the UFC. She had a ton of hype then, and the way that she turned her career around from the early weight misses and stuff to being all she can't do anything on the feet to at least now you see the physique has totally changed, no more weight issues. She's definitely improved on the feet, but you still see the difference. It was like two different stratospheres here, and I still believe in her, in her camp, Jason Perillo, he's still a great coach. He was giving her great advice in the corners. I loved when they were doing the listen-ins. He's telling her, you do this, you keep pressuring, you go in, level change, go up, and then go back in for the takedown. Set it up two times, you will get it. But she just could not pull that trigger. I think she was kind of just hesitant because Marina has the power. She did catch McKenzie coming in a couple times, uh, and it hurt. So – uh you know, a little bit of a disappointment there, but again, Marina looked so incredible. This is two back-to-back main events where she's shown 25 straight minutes that she can go, she can do this. Not to mention her fight with Michelle Watterson, she accepted that on a week's notice and still went 25 minutes and never she took did, her foot didn't off the she? gas. Yeah, because they did it at flyweight, which was crazy because yeah, Michelle's so small. But uh Marina Rodriguez is for real. And so now I'm gonna focus on. What's coming next for Noah? Because listen, it was a great performance. And yes, you could say she gets a title fight, but let's just not do it. Damn it. Carla Esparza needs to get her title shot next, depending on how Zhang Li and Rose 2 goes. And it helps Carla when Marina Rodriguez in the post-fight presser says, no, I don't want the title. Carla deserves it. I'll fight Carla in our rematch when she's the champion and then it's for the belt. So it's like, all right, well, if you're saying you don't want it, I'm not going to match make it for you. There's someone that hasn't fought in quite some time, Noah. And she's another world-class Muay Thai practitioner. She goes by the name Joanna Champion. Ever heard of her? Six title defenses. One of the most elite talents we've ever seen in the UFC. Damn it, she hasn't fought since March of 2020. It's time to welcome her back into the cage. I think we do a five-round main event. Marina Rodriguez, Joanna Young-Jacek. Make that a title eliminator bout. I don't want to argue about it. All right, fine. No but I am curious to get your thoughts.
0: I mean, I'm, I think it would be a great fight because that is probably the two best Muay Thai practitioners that the UFC has to offer. But in I, my opinion, I, I'm i kind of like, I haven't even really thought about Joanna in a while because I, I look at You're her crazy. as being done.
1: Right.
0: I think she might be just retired at this point. Um, she seems to have one foot out the door anyways. So if she does come back, that would be a great fight, but also like, should Joanna really get one fight, like get one win and get another title fight? I mean, if this is good, I'm coming close to Holly Holm territory for me,
1: where I'm like, right?
0: All right. She was a dominant champion. I know Holly Holm wasn't dominant, but Joanna, dominant champion, loses twice to Rose. Once where when she was the champion, then immediate rematch. Then she goes up to women's flyweight and yeah. loses in the inaugural, or not the inaugural. After Montano gets stripped, her and Valentina. It felt like the inaugural. Now her and Valentina <laughs> have the title fight where she loses. And, you know, if she would have beat Way Lee, she probably would have been – her and Wei Li for a title. I didn't even yeah. think about that. So that's – I mean, Dominic, I just – I'm not ready to see Joanna back in another title fight. So if But I, I get your sentiment. I'm more interested in challenging Marina in other
1: ways. I want to hear it. I feel like it's going to let you down a little bit here. No, I
0: just think it, she should run it back with Carla.
1: Fair enough. No, I, like mean, I there's it, really nothing else left to do. Like, you know, if it's not a title yeah. and Joanna doesn't come back, there's only one other person now, you know. Or
0: she fights the loser of yeah. Rose and Wei Lee, which would be a great fight. But for me, like, the biggest question, Marina might. I am so close to wanting to be like, this is a future champion. Yeah. But I can't because she has not shown any improved, uh, maybe slight improvements, but she hasn't shown any Enough ability to yeah. stay off her back if someone wants to take it there. This fight, again, I can't really credit her because I feel like this was more of a lack of her opponent being able to um, get the fight there. And obviously once it did get there, very one-sided for yeah. uh, McKenzie. So I I want to see Carla get the next title fight. I do. So I guess the question becomes what happens in that title fight. In I know. Because if Wei Lee wins. <laughs> we're probably
1: getting a trilogy. We're getting a trilogy.
0: And if I'm Carla or Marina, I want to stay
1: active. Exactly. Because you
0: know? yeah. I get like waiting, you know, because Carla deserves it at this yeah. point. Yeah. But if you wait to the point where it's like a year, I mean, you see, you saw Leon Edwards do something similar, and it didn't really work out for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're losing time on your career.
0: Well, I mean, if you're not, if if you're not constantly putting yourself out there in these fights, I know it's risky because you might lose and then you lose your spot. But also, there's the element of like for Leon, the fans stopped caring, and I know they never really—you
1: almost become irrelevant.
0: Yeah, like I know they never really cared, but like then they cared even less.
1: Yeah, poor Leon, poor guy. But no, I know I don't mean no crap. Off. I know, I know, because I,
0: I, I, mean, I do think he's he's in a good spot right now. But Carlo, we could argue is in a good spot as well. But yeah, you know, if Wei Lee turns the tables in that in that rematch, we're going to a trilogy. Yeah, and therefore I think her and Marina should run it back because you know. I think that first fight was very dull. Um, I remember when I watched it, it was pretty dull, but it was a good performance from Carlos Barza. Can she do that a second time? I mean, look at what happened when she went up against the Muay Thai striking of Ioana back
1: in the day. Yeah,
0: Ioana destroyed her. But here with Marina, she looked fantastic, and a big difference in those two fights was the confidence in her takedown
1: defense. Right.
0: So – can Marina haven't come far enough along to where not only is she competent enough to stay off her back, but confident enough to use more of her game plan. It might be a bit of a letdown compared to two of the prolific Muay Thai strikers that the UFC have to offer going head to head. I'd be excited if Joanna came back and fought Marina. Yeah. Dare I say, I think that'd be a, Rough night for Marina on paper. I think Joanna's just that damn good. Oh man! But I would like to see it, you know. So if it happens, I'd be excited for it. It's just I'm not really even Joanna's not really on the brain right now.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Even though she's great, but yeah. I digress. Any other final thoughts on that one?
1: We got some more fights to discuss.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's go on to the rest and. This is really hard to limit down. If I'm being honest with you guys, it's it's, it's it's rare you get this kind of card. There's nine fights on these card on this card, and really every one of them could have been on you know, yeah to talk about. You know, not all of them have exactly takeaways as far as what's next and stuff like that. But a lot of really good performances and good fights on here that are worth addressing. We'll start with the co-main event. Mm-hmm. Randy Brown gets the unanimous decision went over Jared Gooden. And I'm just gonna pose the question because I think the fight this is gonna be kind of a forgettable fight, and I guess Randy Brown's catalog. I mean, not that it was bad, but you know, he's fought, for his standards. For for him, he's fought, in my opinion, more accomplished opponents than Jerry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so you know, that's what I mean. Forgettable, like yeah. This isn't necessarily the win that would make me pose this question, but he is on a win streak that makes me ask: Is top 15 next for Mr. Randy Brown?
1: I believe so. I really do. I think that's his eighth win in the UFC now. He's fan friendly in terms of his fight style. He's showing an evolution in his game as he continues to grow. Not to mention, he's still dangerous on the ground. You just don't really get to see it as much. And uh, I say he's top fifteen. And I we don't always match make in the rest. But let me just give me a second here, people. And I hope Noah likes this because there's a newly. Uh, In introducted top 15 welterweight Noah (laughs) he goes by D-Rod Daniel Rodriguez (laughs) and I'm just gonna say it right now Randy Brown versus Daniel Rodriguez is the fight I want to see next inject it into my veins
0: what kills me is I love that fight damn it I want to see Daniel Rodriguez fight Fight top 10 I know so like I get Uh, so it's so complicated for me yeah. The other day there's there's rumors that Armand Saryukin might be fighting Gregor Gillespie next. Yeah. And I got real excited. I sent it to you. But I'm also like, man, but Gregor looked so good right. against Diego Pereira. Like, why can't he get yeah. someone ahead of him? You know, I know you can't always do that, but man, I do love that fight. Yeah. And you know, Daniel Rodriguez, I think though right now I want to see him try to capitalize as much as he can. This, I want to call it a bubble almost, like, but it could. I mean, for all we know, Daniel Rodriguez might be, you know, dare I say, top five in this division. He still should slept
1: on, even after Kevin Lee. It's
0: it's crazy to think about it, but he just every time out, he shows me something new. Yes, he does, and you don't see that a lot. And not only something new, but he has beaten down guys like Kevin Lee. Has um, looked fantastic on this run he's been on, so I kind of want to see him try to capitalize on that as much as he can, that momentum. But I would not be
1: upset. Him so, so do you think in general though, Randy Brown top fifteen next? Are you yeah. on board? Regardless, yeah, I'm on
0: board. I don't have a name in mind, but I definitely think that that would be appropriate. He's been hanging around this like sixteen yeah, he's right twenty there. you know yeah. range for a long time. Well, he yeah, had some he, tough he losses. With
1: Sente Luque. You
0: know? Yeah, had some tough losses. The loss to Nico Price, where yeah. he got knocked out while Nico was on the bottom. I mean, that just how does it? When does that ever happen? You know, yeah. He has a win over Mickey Gall. That, he gave Mickey Gall his first loss in the UFC. So, <laughs> um, next fight, I'm going to let Dominic take this one because I know how much he enjoyed uh, the performance here with Maria. I'm still going to call her Agapova because Agapova just doesn't sound right. So Maria Agapova gets the submission win over. Sabina Mazo or Mazo, Sabina Mazo. Round three, 53 seconds in. Dominic, big bounce back for Agapova here, correct?
1: Oh, huge. And I'll tell you right now, I know women's straw weight is the most stacked uh, division right now in women's MMA or in the UFC anyway. But women's fly, rate, fly weight right now is really feeling out uh, right now, Noah, because we've got a very a dominant champion, obviously, who's beaten those top five. But if you get out of that, go to like you know where Taylor Santos is, like number nine, number eight, and go through to number fifteen. We've got some real bright potential, real bright stars. And Maria Agapova is next in line. She looked an amazing following that huge upset loss she had to what well, was Shayna Dobson, right? Yep. Minus sixteen hundred favorite lost that fight, got dominated in that fight. And everyone just starts writing her off. What are we doing here, people? Especially if she's coming out with the headgear on. We got women coming out with that on now. See, <laughs> hey, so she put the whole division on notice last night at UFC Vegas 39. Her hands were phenomenal. Her speed, her power. Then she lands this right hook against uh, Sabina Mazzo that dropped. I thought it was a one-punch KO, truthfully. It was nasty in that third round. Drops Mazzo. She immediately pounces for the uh, rear naked choke submission. What a bounce back win. She looked amazing. It was a striking clinic all three rounds until the finish. Woo! What a performance.
0: I can't add anything except great performance. And I just love the transition from when she hurt Mazo to where she locked into submission oh, so quick and Yep. So definitely a good win for her. And she she very well could be right back on track and potentially top 15 coming up. Alexander mm-hmm. Romanov. He continues his undefeated streak. He's at 15. 15 0. He gets the TKO over Jared Vandura. Four minutes, 43 seconds, around number two. This one didn't surprise too many people if the odds or anything mm-hmm. to go off of. Um, but, Dominic, you know, Romovalv is kind of a guy that's came on our radar probably a little later than most. And it wasn't the best first impression. He went up against Juan Espino, who was a former winner of the um, ultimate fighter, but is a guy that's like 40 years old at this point. Um, they had a fight. I forget which card it was. I want to say it was the Robert Whitaker Kelvin Gastelum card. Yeah, it might have been. Because I remember Arlovsky was on the card. <laughs> that's it was in I the remember. summer, yeah. That's all I remember. Um, so this fight takes place, and Romabov looks good early. Boy, does he gas and then he gets hit in like the nuts. And then He's he mad. kinda just and he kinda just stops. And, you know, I get it if you can't continue. We've had this, you know, a lot of people called out Aljamain Sterling for his performance, if you want to call it that, I guess, after the legal knee saying that he was acting and stuff. Romovov probably had would have similar complaints thrown at him if not for the fact that this was just a smaller fight on this card. So I remember I remember Dominic in particular was not happy with this fight. He shit all, he hated this fight. So not the best first impression for a guy who's a heavyweight prospect. Comes in here, bounces back with TKO whenever Bandura. Dominic, is there a part of you that's starting to believe in Removov as a dark horse potentially in this heavyweight division?
1: Yeah, and I also want to take this moment to apologize to Romanov because of my lack of interest in his last fight. And I, and I say this because they presented it on the broadcast. First off, that was the third fight ever in UFC history to be stopped by groin strikes. Fun fact. Another one was Stefan Struve, also at heavyweight. That one makes me want to vomit just thinking about it. But <laughs> So that fight, yes, it was lackluster as a fight in general. He gassed. You thought, oh, he's just taking it the easy way out, quote-unquote. Turns out, he actually was in the hospital following that fight for six weeks. So there was some serious shit that happened. I don't know if it was directly related to the groin strikes, but regardless, something was wrong in that fight, and it led to six weeks in the hospital. Well, well, let me just
0: offer a correction. I don't think when you were shit, you were more just shitting on the fight. The fight, right. You didn't didn't
1: say that you thought
0: he was faking. I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure that that was... A point, yeah, contention. So for let's some just clear it off viewers. for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just saying that that was out there. Yeah, we are of the we side with the fighters more, of course. Like with Jermaine, we didn't say that he was faking, but that has been a talking point.
1: Right. So I'm just saying that
0: Romanov didn't exactly give off the best first impression. But
1: yeah, continue. But, uh, but now all of a sudden, he's 4-0 in the UFC. Three of them are via finish, and then you have that technical split, which the, the, the groin strike <laughs> thing. You don't see many technical split decisions. Yeah, that's but weird. he looked incredible last night. I mean, he was a minus 650. He was one of the biggest favorites on the card. He was the biggest favorite on the card. So I expected him to win. But, dude, this guy is just a behemoth of a man. Yeah. He carries power uh, in his hands, but he always looks to grapple. And you don't see many grapplers in the heavyweight yep. division. Which makes him a dark horse.
0: Yeah, submission specialist is uh, yeah. room involved. and I will be curious to see kind of what where they go with him next. You know, is is top fifteen already in sight? Mm-hmm. Could be. I wouldn't mind a fight with Walt Harris, if I'm being honest. Makes um, sense. I just threw that out there because I know Walt just had the they had scratch this fight yeah. with Tui Um, just throwing it out there, but uh. I do think top 15 teams on the horizon, and you're right. You know, it's going You know, he's gonna be, I guess, treated similar. I mean, you look at like Curtis Blades, the success he's had, and mm-hmm. you know his his he's had some faltering moments. You know, he's been finished a couple times by some of the the biggest power punchers in the division, Derek Lewis and uh, Francis and Godin, but. Besides that, besides those three fights with those two guys, he dominates people. He dominates people. (laughs) So, Removov could have a very similar path to the top. Where sure, he'll have to be tested against the power of some of these strikers. But you know, if he goes up against the Volkov, he's going to have that advantage. Yeah, he goes up against some of these other guys, he's going to have that advantage. I would think so. I'm definitely more aware and more on the on. I'm more on his side now than I yeah. was coming in. I was very tempted to actually put money on Jared Bandura, who had a war in his last fight, a bloody mess, and that fight was actually pretty good yeah. with uh, Justin Taffa. So I, I was very tempted, but I'm glad I didn't, considering what happened. And Bob, he has now won me over, which I'm sure he cared about so much as he spent six <laughs> weeks in a hospital. Yeah. Um, next fight. Uh, these are going to be the two openers, and I mean, Lupia Godinez gets the sub of Silvana Gomez Suarez in round one, four minutes fourteen seconds. This was a mismatch if I've ever seen it, and you know I'm not saying that that was known going in. Pretty sure Lupia was zero one in the UFC coming in here, while yes. her opponent Silvana making her debut. Lupita just ran through her and looked fantastic while doing it, I just want to add. So I just wanted to give her a shout because I think she might be a name to look out for. What do you think, Dom?
1: Yeah, Lupita took the short notice fight in her debut against Jessica Panay, of all people, up a weight class, puts on a good performance but loses. Now this one, she has a full training camp for another opponent, falls out, and Silvana accepts this fight on a week's notice. She was supposed to be on the Contender Series next week. But mm-hmm. they gave her this fight against Godinez. So, granted, the cards weren't necessarily in her favor. Mm-hmm. Godinez is a very good talent. She's a former LFA champion, so I think she does have a, a high ceiling. Especially getting to see what she did off of a full training camp shows a lot.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. I did not know LFA champion. That's uh, yeah. I need to I need to do a better job of uh, kind of knowing where these fighters come from.
1: But uh, LFA, I need to follow them more. LFA the is that's like a, the, yeah, that's like yeah. the big, <laughs> the biggest
0: minor league, right? One of word it like the uh, promotion there is. Last one, the opener of the card. This fight was probably the fight of the night, the whole main card, in my opinion. This fight was a banger. At lightweight, Steve Garcia gets the TKO win over Charlie Ontiveros, um this coming in a minute, 51 seconds of round number two. Didn't start off uh, looking too good for our guy Steve Garcia here. He's
1: on spaghetti legs. Just to
0: set this up, Steve Garcia fought on the contender series as a Bantam weight where he missed weight. He weighed in at 139 pounds or 135 pound fight. He got a big win, but didn't get signed obviously because he missed weight. In here as a 155 pounder undersized going up against Charlie on who lost about a year ago to Kevin Holland at 185 pounds. Yeah. So if that doesn't tell you the kind of size difference in, I guess, differences in power you might be dealing with here. I don't know what does. And early on, that appeared to be the case. Charlie Ontiveros, every every time he touched Garcia, he was wobbling him, hurting and him. And they were with Real, axe kicks. A wild axe kick. <laughs> that was crazy. But where Ontiveros went wrong here was he could not stay off his back. The mm. powerful takedown of Garcia, um, really nice-looking takedowns and Um, you know, he just looked like a very smart fighter here, which is gotta give a lot of credit to that for a guy who's still on his way up in a lot of ways. He just had a very high fight IQ, you know, every time he got hurt, he, you know, he didn't just kind of turtle up and try to cover his head. He was looking for limbs to grab a hold of and pull down and get, put force into sprawls and stuff like that. And, you know, once this fight was on the ground, I mean, round one, he got – Steve Garcia got dropped twice, and he might have won the round. That tells you anything. Yeah. Because the ground and pound he unleashed on the Ontiveros was fierce. And round two, same story. I mean, just even more brutal and gets the win. Big win for Garcia. I'm uh, kind of excited to see what's next for him. I kind of – he's committed to 155 pounds – Kind of want to see him go to Featherweight, but you
1: know. yeah, that might be like the perfect. But, a, kind but of I'm thing. pretty sure in his
0: post fight, he said he's committed to 155. So, yeah, we'll see. Booyah. It's going to wrap it up for this here weekend recap. Give us your thoughts on all the fights that took place and even uh, the uh, Fury Wilder fight. Let us know if you, uh, you guys watched that and what you thought of it. Uh, we'll be back on Friday for another weekend preview promise guys we're gonna get through this month together
1: what's craziest? <laughs> is think of I, this one is definitely the weakest main event of the fight nights coming up lad and dumont mm-hmm. but the fight night headlined by costa and Vittori as a whole wooey
0: yeah like at least you got the main event
1: but yeah and Woo. we don't even know if that one will happen yet. I'm, I'm waiting until let's that be, day to let's see. be honest
0: the people's main event this saturday is in the co-main event as Andre Arlovsky he goes one on one with Carlos with great Felipe.
1: <laughs> this is so elevating.
0: Carlos Felipe has been the bane of my existence for a while now due to his fight with Jorgen DeCastro, which I continuously, continuously, constantly bring up on this podcast.
1: And Andre and now, is what keeps Noah breathing. So. Andre Arlovsky.
0: Might be BG one. My, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. He has an opportunity here to take out the man who has caused me so much grief. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. Yes. But uh, obviously, tune into that on Friday. It's going to be a good time. We'll, we'll, we'll get have through some it diamonds
1: in the rough to discuss. <laughs> Maybe we'll get through
0: this together. Everybody. Yes. But uh, Dominic, until then, tell the good people where they can find you on social media.
1: Find me. On Twitter, on Instagram at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact, go tell Barstool to get on this hype train. Bring us on in at BAJ underscore MMA podcast.
0: Also, I had a—I'm not going to tell you who—but I, I was given an anonymous complaint that said for Dominic to stop pointing and putting his fingers in the camera. They apparently you have very long fingers that creep them out. Noted, <laughs> but for me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at nt baker underscore. Uh, if you go to the link in my bio, it's going to take you to <laughs> a link tree, which provides you a list of links to all the platforms, and podcasts, all along with the social media platforms. That includes
1: that what includes is not limited to.
0: The, the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify. Who went have a podcast? It's all on here. <laughs> There's a couple links for today's sponsor anchor. Shout out the anchor. Shout out anchor. <laughs> Above the camera.
1: Above the camera. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to freak anybody
0: out. <laughs> the first link is. Oh, uh, 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 sending in a voice message. And there's another link on there for becoming a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast.
1: Or I can but, buy uh, gloves. <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry, Dom, but that's it. We're out. We're gonna I see can't you even all do Friday.
1: Now, <laughs> uh, see you guys.